Thank you for tuning into this week's podcast from Discovery Church. Our hope is that this message would help you seek truth and find purpose. If you would like to know more about Discovery Church, please check us out online at mydiscoverychurch.ca. With that said, let's go to this week's message. Pleasure to welcome Paul Fraser to, uh, to the stage this morning. So why don't you give him a round of applause? You may not know this, but, uh, but Paul, uh, Pastor Paul, I'm not sure how, Apostle Paul, Bearded Paul, whatever. Um, Paul's fine. Paul, Paul's, Paul's great. Um, it had a lot to do with launching Discovery Church. His job uh, is, he's, we're a part of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada as a denomination of a church. And he actually works in national office in Mississauga, but his home is here in Edmonton. And he oversees church multi- multiplication, correct? Yep. And, uh, but Paul is also is a really good friend of mine. His home church is here. But he has so much credibility, so much, so much resources. And his job is to plant churches, start new churches throughout Canada. And we have the guy that starts churches for uh, Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, a part of our church, and bringing the word this morning. So I want you to what, give it... Get this. Why don't you stand to your feet and let's give like like an applause and a standing ovation before he even starts because it's going to be so good. Yes, Paul, take us away. (laughs) Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you for that mandatory forced standing ovation. Beautiful. Do you remember when you went tobogganing and the last two words that rolled off your mother's lips as you walked out... She said, be Be careful, be safe. And while that has served us in many areas of life, there's going to be at least one area that it doesn't serve us that well. Safety has changed so much even since I was a child. Now I'm going to take you back to the 80s. Whoa. How many people remember the 80s? All right. Yeah, there's like eight of us. Uh, I remember when seat belts were optional. I specifically remember my mom and dad saying, okay, in two weeks, you're going to have to start wearing those things. And we're like, what? No! Because we had this Caprice Classic station wagon, and we would be we would have wrestling matches in the back with with our like four four brothers fighting and punching and kicking and biting and all those wonderful things that brothers do. And we were like, "What? We have to sit in one spot? That's that's terrible! What an awful idea!" I remember when bike helmets came out. How many people remember when bike helmets came out and you had to wear those nerd buckets? What's funny about that is my wife, uh, my father-in-law, and at that point wasn't my father-in-law in grade nine, uh, he, he, uh, he actually was in charge of bike safety. And then it's so funny. But, and we railed against it. We're like, we are not wearing those nerd buckets. I remember, you know, when airbags coming out. What? Like, a bag is going to come out and hit you in the face, and that's going to keep you safe? Are you kidding me? Five-star safety ratings. Have you ever seen a U.S. commercial? They have to, let, they have to like, you know, when, if you take this thing, the side effects may, have you ever seen, you know what I'm talking about? Side effects may include bacon-like body odor, 
abnormally hairy knuckles, premature baldness. They have to lay it all out because they needed to make sure that you're going to be safe and you have all the information. And in life insurance, you actually get to pay less if you are less risky. If you're less adventurous, if you say you like to do cliff diving and you like to do all these things, then you actually have to pay more. They actually reward you financially for playing it safe. And while it's ingrained into our thinking and into all of our acting, and we would all nod our heads and say, this probably is the preferred course of action, there is at least one area, one area that playing it safe is maybe the most dangerous thing you can do, and that's when it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's so easy to take the principles of being safe, the, uh, you know, preserve what you have, just go right down the middle of the road, don't rock the boat. It's easy to take those and bring them into our relationship with Jesus. But as we thumb through the scriptures, we see the Bible freighted with stories of heroes of our faith, men and women of God who decided at some point to say, I'm going to make a risk. I'm going to take a risk. And it wasn't the people in the Bible that just had good tent-making businesses and just you know went through life and just tried to be average and fit in and all. It was these people that willingly said, I'm willing to take a risk for God. And then to see God show up. How did they get to that point? Well, they must have come to the conclusion that anything less than a full commitment to trusting God is the most dangerous place to be. And so they assessed the risk and discovered what I feel like many of us in North America as Christians have failed to discover. That with the desire to pull back to the safer place the desire to stay in our comfort zones, desire not to do the things that may seem dangerous is, is not fully being lived out in God's plans and purposes is the most dangerous place to be. You ever heard of the Hall of Fame? Anyone? You out there? Did someone, did you all sleep? Did you all fall asleep in like one second? <laughs> Hall of Fame, there's the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's in Toronto. I've been there. There's uh, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm sure there's a Badminton Hall of Fame. There's probably lots of different Hall of Fames. But there is a chapter in the Bible that, that some have called the Hall of Faith chapter. It's Hebrews chapter 11. If you've got your devices, you can look it up for your own. But it's going to be on the screen. Now, if you're new to church, you're going to maybe see some of the names as you read through in your own time. Hebrews chapter 11. I'd encourage you to do that. And maybe you're new to church. You look and go, I don't, I don't know what, what these names, these, don't, these people don't mean anything. I hope it creates some curiosity for you to research that and look it up on your own. They have incredible incredible stories. And if you don't have a Bible here today, we'd love to give you one at the guest center uh, for you to take a look at that. But of course, Bible apps and all these things are available today. You can research that on your own. One of the guys listed in this Hall of Faith chapter is a guy named Abraham. And I don't have time to go through all of his life, but I think Hebrews chapter 11 gives us a pretty good example, a pretty good overview of what his life was about. And here's the background on Abraham. Abraham grew up in a non-Christian home. Abraham grew up in a non-God-honoring home. He didn't know about God. He worshipped idols. And some people, scholars, believe that they had astrological worship and they would look to the moon and worship uh, some of that. But God saw something in Abraham worth cultivating. You see, God was looking for someone. 
He was looking for someone to uh, have a family and through their family create a lineage. And through generation after generation, God was looking for some way to restore the broken relationship between God and man. That there would be a redeemer that would come through this line. And Abraham, this this uh, uh, moon-worshipping, non-Christian home guy, God saw and spoke to him and said, I'm going to use you. I'm going to take you. And maybe you're sitting here going, but I, 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 don't, I don't know God. I'm, I'm new to church. Can I tell you this? That God wants to speak to you today as well. And he wants to work through you. And who knows what's going to happen through your life. You see, Abraham was a seed. His life was a seed that, that spawned the nation of Israel and later gave us Jesus. And through his death and his resurrection now gives us a way to have that restoration between us and God. And at the end of our time together, I'm going to create a moment. I'm going to ask for, uh, give you an opportunity to respond to that. And, and maybe you never restored that relationship with God. Maybe you didn't even know it was broken. You didn't know it was possible. But there's a way here today that, that God can meet you right in your seat and can change your life. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, and it says this, by faith, Abraham When he was called, if you are able to highlight anything in your notes, or this would be a good one. When he was called, obeyed. I mean, we could stop right there and just say, let's close in prayer, we're done. If that's all we ever did, Canada would be changed. When he was called, obeyed, by going out to a place he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out, I love this, not knowing where he was going. I don't like doing that. I like to know where we're going. I don't want to just hop in or maybe you're just like a a, a free spirit. You're like, I don't care. Wherever we go, it's just wherever. It's so great. Ah." Me, I like, where are we going? When are we going to get there? And what are we going to do? Like, I want to know these things. Abraham's like, I have no idea where where, where I'm going. Gets up and it says this, by faith he lived as an alien. Now that word alien is not like... That kind of an alien, it's like more of a, a, a stranger in a foreign land. Uh, and uh, dwelling in tents with Isaac, Jacob, and their fellow heirs, he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. God called and he obeyed. I'm not sure how God called him. The Bible doesn't actually say in this particular instance. Later on, it says that God appeared to Abraham and spoke the similar things to him. But in the first time, in Genesis there, it says that just God spoke. You know, God spoke lots of different ways through the scriptures. Sometimes it was, you know, angelic visitation. You know, just kind of like this. They show up and like the shepherds, Christmas. The kids in the bathrobes, you know, they come up and they're like the shepherds. They look up and see the angels and they, oh, anyways. And, and, you know, the angels and and God spoke through burning bushes and he spoke through a voice in a cloud and and a mountain shook. But I've never had God speak to me any of those ways. I don't know about you. Uh, God never speaks to me, too, in a Morgan Freeman voice. (laughs) It'd be so great. It'd just be so clear. It'd be just like, Morgan. God, you're there. Or a British accent. That would be cool too, like the old Bible movies. No, God speaks to me in my thinking voice. But how I know it's God is there's a great amount of peace that comes with it. 
Sometimes what he asks me to do isn't actually, it makes me nervous. But just deep down inside, I just know there's peace inside of me. And it always lines up with the Bible. It's so important for us to get to, into the Word and know the Bible. So somehow, Abraham, who didn't really know about God, had never experienced God before, somehow discerned that this is the one true and living God in his heart, in his mind. He somehow discerned that. I believe, like I said before, God is speaking today. It's been my prayer all week. That God would speak to you. You don't have to have read through the entire Bible. You don't have to know all the things about church or Christian theology and history and all that. God can speak to you right now, right here in this moment. In fact, I would, I would venture a guess he's been speaking to you your whole life. You just didn't know it was God. And he's calling you to him. And that has been my prayer that you would feel this pull towards him, that you would know him in a real and personal way. And Abraham was so certain. He knew in his knower that it was God and it wasn't bad pizza. And he left everything that was comfortable behind. He left his family. He left his home, his history, his religion, and followed this God who he had just encountered. Think about that for a moment. What would you have to hear or feel to get up and leave everything you know? What? What would you have to hear or feel and then on top of it not know where you're going? I I know for me I've had to leave things behind knowing God. Um, I don't know if this is just a basketball theme, but I had a dream to be a basketball player. Thank you, Pastor Lauren. I did not spend eight hours a day playing basketball. Probably would have helped, but I never did it. (laughs) And uh, I had this dream that I was going to be in the final four, playing for Duke University, you know, one shining moment. And I'm cutting down the, I just just had it all pictured, I had it all laid it out. And July 1st, 1993, God met me and I had an encounter with him and I had to leave that dream behind. And there's been things that I wanted in my heart that I had to leave behind. But can I tell you this? Most of the things that I wanted to leave behind, or most of the things I, I, I left behind, I wanted to leave behind. Sin, guilt, shame. I, I wanted to leave those mistakes behind. And I guess, that I bet there would be people in this room that would say, you know what, I would want to leave those things behind too. I would love to leave the, some of my past behind and some of my mistakes and have a fresh start. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about getting up and following God. You get to leave those things behind. And you actually get to do something new with your life with a fresh start. Where I, where I took anger, I, I, I got forgiveness, and, and, and I got grace and hope and mercy and love and I gave God all of my junk and he gave me all of his best. What an incredible thing. And I have today such a better dream for my life. One with incredible meaning and fulfillment. Can I tell you this morning that God knows you and me more than you or I even know ourselves. He knows absolutely what best for you. He created you. And so Abraham embarks on this journey of incredible faith. This legacy that he was about to build. 
that he actually never fully saw in his lifetime. That all the nations of the world would be blessed by this decision to go and follow God because of his great trust and faith. But God didn't stop speaking to him there, and God won't stop speaking to you as you get to know him. He was preparing him for even a greater story. And so when you first encounter God, you, you hear God and you respond to his call. But for those who have been in the faith, you know that there are always seasons of testing. And in Hebrews chapter 11, 7 to 9, 17 to 19, it says this. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, if you want to underline something, he offered up Isaac. And he had received the promises was He who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, in Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered, or that word could also be concluded, that God is able to raise people from the dead. Now, I'll give you a background quickly on this story. God asked Abraham, would you be willing to give me your son? Would you be willing to give that which is most important to you? And so Abraham said, yes, he offered up Isaac. He, he, was, he concluded that if he was going to take his son's life, he was going to take his son's life, that he concluded that God was able to raise him from the dead. Imagine being a parent in that moment. How many of you would have said, well, that's not God. No way. That's jail time. That's just not, that is not God. This can't be him. The hope and the promise of God is laid up in my son. There's just no way this can't be God. But Abraham knew God's voice. He knew him. And it was a three-day journey. Imagine what's going through in your head every night. Isaac's going, Dad, I know we're going to make a sacrifice on the mountain, but we don't have anything to sacrifice. He's like, don't worry. I got it taken care of. But dad, there's no three days of nagging and three days of laboring and three days. And yet Abraham could have talked himself out of it and didn't because he concluded that God was able to raise people from the dead. He had such deep trust and faith in God. And at the end of the story, the angel stopped Abraham's hand, gave him a sacrifice and everything worked out fine. But... So when God tested him, he didn't just obey. This time the Bible says that he offered up Isaac. I want you to notice the difference here. That when you have unshakable faith, it silences the voices of safe. That's what it does. And it's a subtle change here, but let me, let me highlight it for you. When God called Abraham the first time, that word obey is a word that translates in a way that as a subordinate would be listening to a supervisor. So it'd be like, uh, I'm in charge of somebody. Okay, I need you to do this. And that person goes, well, I, I, okay. And you just, as a subordinate, he goes. But it's a bit different here when, you, when we see the word offer. Offering speaks of willing submission. There's a place of willing submission. He didn't feel obligated to it. There was a place of willing submission. Speaks of a stronger relationship. It's like when I call my kids from the basement right now, uh, our dishwasher 
uh, is not working. And it feels like we're Amish. I mean, it's just, it's, it, it's just, you just, we're just gone back to the, the early 1800s. The kids are like, what, how do you, what do you even, like, I just put dishes in the dishwasher and they come out clean. There's like, and so calling them upstairs to do dishes is really interesting. And, and so if I say, hey, okay, guys, come on upstairs and do the dishes, they could obey and they just come up and do it. But as a parent, when they offer, I hope they're taking notes this morning. When they offer, doesn't it mean something different? Doesn't it mean that they're willingly submitting? It's just like, no, no, no. Of course, you could demand me to do it, but instead of demanding me to do it, I'm going to beat you to it, and I'm going to offer. I'm going to offer. That's where I want to be whenever I get tested from God. I don't want to be resisting the testing. I don't want to be praying it away. I want to be offering to take the test. I want to be in that place where I'm saying, God, I want to have an extraordinary life. And if it means me offering myself in times of testing, then I'm willing to do that. You see, I read stories in the Bible. I talk and I've read stories of leaders in history that have lived by faith and not by faith. And they've done extraordinary things for God. Huge risks that brought hope to some of the darkest places in the world and exemplify what extraordinary faith truly is. But maybe you're here and I felt this way. You're like, well, I could never do that. They, they, must, they must be extraordinary leaders with extraordinary gifts and extraordinary talents. And they must be extraordinary people. I'm just not wrong. They're ordinary people just like you and just like me. So how'd they do it? What was the secret sauce that got them to a place of living this extraordinary life? Well, for Abraham, if you look at James chapter 21 to 23, and I just want you to look at the last verse there. It says this in in verse 23. And Abraham believed God, this talking about Isaac, Abraham had believed God and was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Now, we could just gloss over that and go, well, you know, we, you guys remember the song, we were giggling about, remember the song, Friend of God? We used to play it at every camp for like hours in services. I am a friend of God. Okay, never mind. Uh, but, but this idea of being a friend of God, it, seemed, it seems like, yeah, well, we all have friends. I have friends. Lauren's my friend. There's lots of friends here. But to be a friend with God in the Old Testament was unheard of. In fact, God was so holy. God's name was so reverent that you couldn't even whisper his name. You couldn't even talk. You couldn't even say, I'm going to, oh, wait, I'm going to church to meet with, you know who. You can't even talk about his name. He's so holy. And here, Abraham is being called a friend of God? Are you kidding me? You see, if you're a friend, you you love that person. You know them. You trust them deeply. And Abraham did those things. He loved God and he trusted him deeply and followed him. He was a friend of God. But you know, if, if if we could turn back time, I won't sing the song for you, even though I really want to. If we could turn back time and pull Abraham to this stage, I said, uh, Mr. Abraham, I wouldn't even know what you call him, Father Abraham, whatever. Uh, Abraham, let me ask you a question. 
you, you absolutely did extraordinary. I, I mean, I would want to know what's going through your head, though, a three-day journey. I, I would want to know all the things that Abraham did. I, 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 how did you know that God was real? You're worshiping the moon, and all of a sudden you're leaving everything, and you're doing that. Like, how did you live this extraordinary life? How did you do these extraordinary acts? He'd probably say, nothing I did was extraordinary. It was just faith. It was just, for me, it was just faith. There's nothing extraordinary about it. God called me to do it. I trusted him deeply, so I just went and did it. If you'd pull up missionaries and global workers and people of history and said, how did you do all these extraordinary things? I think the largest majority of them would say, there's nothing extraordinary about me. There's There's nothing extraordinary about those acts. I just, God asked me to do it, and I went and did it. But what's truly extraordinary about these heroes was not their acts, but their relationship with God. Ordinary people with an extraordinary relationship with God, which means this. You can't play it safe. I have at times. I compartmentalize things with God. And I say, God, I'll, I'll give you this part, but do, <laughs> don't you? No, no, no. Ah, 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 can't touch that. Too, too, too hurtful, painful. I'll do, I'll do this, God. Uh, I'll give you this, but I'm not going to give you my money. Uh, I'll give you my time, but I won't give you that. I won't give you my hurt. I won't give you this. I won't give you my dreams. I want my plans. Uh, these are my plans, and these are my careers, and these are my things. And my, 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 mine, 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 mine. But I feel like God today is calling for a full commitment. Because I don't think any of you in this room woke up and said, you know what I want for my future? 2.2 kids. Drive a, a nice car, but not too nice of a car. I want to always eat vanilla ice cream and wear beige. I just want to be right down the middle. I, I want to be as average as I possibly can. You go to a kindergarten class. You, you walk down the hall right now and you ask them, what do you want to do when you grow up? Nobody is saying, I just want to make a reasonable wage and just do something average. I'm going to the moon. I'm doing this. And somehow it gets beat out of us. Somehow life and things and history and past and da, 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 kind of beat that out of us. Well, I think God wants to rekindle that again, that life, that adventure of following Jesus that it doesn't have to be boring Christianity. It doesn't have to be Eeyore. Do you remember Winnie the Pooh and Eeyore? Bunch of Eeyore Christians. Well, I hope it's going to be okay. I don't know. But there's a faith and say, but I trust an extraordinary, supernatural God that is going to get me through this difficult time. I'm not worried about being average because I'm going for something greater. He didn't create you for average. He didn't put average gifts in you and average abilities in you and average talents. He wants to get on top of those things and throw gasoline on that fire and watch you burn for Him. You don't have to be average. Pastor Lauren and Shauna Lee have led the way. 
leaving two full-time jobs, stepping out in faith because God told them we need to plant a church. I don't know how. You probably felt like, I don't know where we're going. I actually don't know where we're going. They didn't know where this school. It's like, no, we, we, we got to do this. We, we got to make sure that this happens because that's what's God. We're going to leave that behind, everything that was safe. But understanding that outside of God's divine plan, that was the most dangerous place to be. And so even leaving safe to come plant this, this dream team, people that show up every single day, could be doing something so much easier. You could grab a Starbucks, show up at a church and not have to do a single thing. And here you are at 7 a.m. rolling out this plastic. People in this church, for the very first time, committed their lives to Jesus, saying, you know what, I, I, didn't, I didn't know that God had this great plan. I didn't know. We see them in the baptismal tank once a month. People that were willing to risk. Can I encourage you today that this church started with a risk and it's going to continue to risk? Not only as a group, but can I encourage you as individuals to not play it safe when it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ? Can I tell you our best days are ahead? And this is just the beginning of 2018. And who knows what God will do if we're willing to take the risks. If we're willing to say, I'm going to leave safe behind and I'm going to live by faith. It's time. It's time for us to offer our whole hearts to him and not to come half-hearted into 2018. We talked about it last week, about knowing God's presence. This is the theme. This is what God is speaking to us at the beginning of 2018. Don't settle for second best. God has incredible things for you, a life of adventure that you never, ever thought. When I was 17 years old, July 1st, 1993 on Canada Day, I would have never guessed I would be where I am right now and have been to the places and seen the things I've seen. Because some 17-year-old with a mullet decided to go, okay, God, I'll, I'll try it. I'll follow you. Would you bow your heads with me? Thanks so much for listening today. What, a, what an incredible privilege it is to share the word with you this morning. I want you to know that God has such incredible purpose for all of your lives but it cannot be discovered outside of a relationship with God. Thanks for taking time to listen to this week's message from Discovery Church. If this ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Please email us at info at mydiscoverychurch.ca.